0: Hello, good evening everyone, and welcome to this forum, this candidate forum for Mountain Village Town Council. Uh, my name is Julia Caulfield. I'm the news director over at this
1: meeting Hill. is being recorded.
0: And there's a recording in progress. <laughs> um, tonight we are, for everyone listening on Kodo, we're in Mountain Village Town Hall actually, but we are broadcasting to all of our CODO listeners and via Zoom, if anyone's tuned in you know it that way. Um, we have a lot of candidates. Not very much time, a lot of questions. So we're gonna dive in, but first a few ground rules for the evening. Um, We will have time for opening statements. I have some questions prepared. At the end of the forum, we might have some time for community audience questions. So be prepared for that if we have time. Um, There will be a two minute time limit for all of your questions. So yeah, get your ideas in fast. Um, and as a reminder for our candidates, everyone listening, watching, this is a forum rather than a debate. So it's not a place for attacks or speaking negatively, rather an opportunity to share ideas and visions for Mountain Village in the years to come. Before we get too deep in, I'm sure everyone's wondering who these seven people are sitting in front of us. We have Yvette Roth, Douglas Tooley. Harvey, Harvey Mogensen, am I saying that right? Mogensen, perfect. We have Heather Knox, Jack Gilbride, Dustin Clements, and Patrick Barry. Thank you all so much for joining this evening. We're happy to have you here. Um, to get us going, well, actually as a reminder quick, seven people running for three seats. So if you're a voter in Mountain Village, you have many options of who you would like to see Sitting on your town council to get us going, we're going to start with opening statements, and we're going to start with Yvette and just work our way around. In the that it said, we have three minutes for
1: opening statement. Is that true? Sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And when I'm running out of time, you'll do what?
0: Go like that. I'll (laughs) wave
1: my hands. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of reiterate my bio and add a little bit to it. Um, I'm Yvette Roth. I was a veterinarian for 20 years. That was my first career. I was in the Peace Corps right after vet school in the Philippines. And then I came back to the United States, worked in private practice for a while and (laughs) eventually gravitated towards geriatric medicine and I did grief and pet loss counseling. Um, Obviously I have a passion for animals. The reason why I left veterinary practice was I burned myself out. I was on call all the time and it was emotionally draining. I went back to school in the PhD program in epidemiology at Penn State University. And contrary to what was in the paper, I do not hold the PhD. I left the program before I got the degree. Um, Then I went into a global statistical software company where I was a part owner long story we could talk about that later um, I worked my way up to the chief operating officer position and then my sorry, <laughs> um, my favorite position at the company and before I retired was as the chief culture officer my job was to um, protect educate and maintain our unique corporate culture which was short version based on the golden rule, treat other people how you'd like to be treated. Throughout my career, I have come to know the value of open, honest, respectful and clear communication, trying always to temper it with compassion. Um, Kindness seems to be in somewhat short supply these days. And I don't think you can overestimate the power of kindness. So I try to look at the big picture Take all the opinions, all the ideas, and work collaboratively and come up with a solution that incorporates as many values and goals of as many people as possible, but always looking for the benefit of the whole community. So why do I want to run for Town Council? Mountain Village is my home, and I'd like to help take care of it. I'd like to continue the work that the Town Council has done on the affordable housing for the workforce. And I think as a town council person, it's the same as if I'm not a town council person. I'm a citizen of Mountain Village. I am an advocate for the improving the quality of life for everyone here and also to maintain the environment in the beautiful area that we live in. I do believe that there's a good path to lead us into the future, but I think it's only going to happen if we can get all voices heard, work together with cooperation, collaboration, and the willingness to compromise. That's,
0: your time. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Perfect. Um, for all of our candidates, if you don't have like a big booming voice, maybe pull your microphones a little bit closer. Okay. All right.
2: So Welcome to Mountain Village event. Uh, You'll you'll prove to be one of our our more interesting characters, (laughs) although I'll give you a run for that. Uh, To start off with, I'd like to invoke the name of the Republican Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, President Roosevelt, as you may recall, created the Socialist National Forest Service and was also known for taking on monopolistic business and finance the robber barons of that era. In the last century, we have lost the productive discussion of the balance between the public and private in this country. In small San Miguel County, it is easier to see how this has occurred and is occurring. Uh, My name is Douglas Tooley. I'm a 50-year-old, 8-year-old, broken down dirtbag living on disability in the village court apartments. I'm running as a devil's advocate candidate against both Democratic and Republican real estate establishment. For those listening who are engaged civically, you should know me by my involvement, uh, including most recently on COVID. Uh, I believe Mountain Village and Telluride can lead in addressing the problems of this political Punch and Judy puppet show. Housing our growing workforce is the top priority, the cost of this should go first to the people who develop the ski area, I argue that this should be just as superfund liability continues to go to the idorado mountain mining company. We should all be aware that much of our local politics is driven by attempts to avoid those historic responsibilities. There has also been a successful lawsuit to prevent the linkage between housing and new development filed locally here in 1994. The recent passage of Colorado House Bill 1117 has restored that linkage between development and housing. You don't build a new development without stop signs, a clean water supply, and a functioning sewage treatment plant. And you don't build a new development without housing for those that will work there and are working here now. The legal basis to address this court sanctioned wrong is the abuse of the local continuing abuse of the local political system by the right and left. TSG also thinks they control access to our public national forest. They are wrong in this and in their failure to provide housing at all levels. It is not our Republican real estate industry that makes this area a success. It is our public lands and it is our people first The details of how to make housing work in Mountain Village are not easy. We need to come together as a community and give it a best shot. If not, we need to look to the county land for solutions as was proposed in the 2014 comprehensive plan. That comprehensive plan is now being updated. I propose that we increase workforce housing enough to build an elementary school here in Mountain Village. Uh, we should locate that school at the site of the Big Billy's dormitory instead of the currently proposed uh, hotel.
0: Douglas, that is your time.
2: Oh, oh okie
3: dokie. Harvey, we're
0: gonna go next to you. Okay. Three
3: minutes. All right. Hi, uh, my name is Harvey Mogensen. Um I've been a homeowner since 2009 and a resident since 2015. Um, by profession, I'm a CPA uh, with a focus on international tax. Um, I was a partner with the international accounting firm, Ernst & Young, and also a managing director at Morgan Stanley, where I ran the uh, global tax department. Um, Just wanted to clarify for all of you tax nerds out there, these these were uh, managerial and leadership positions, as well as being technical positions. So first off, uh, leading the question that I get asked a lot, which is why are you running for town council? Um, I have a simple but boring answer, and that is I love Mountain Village and I want to give back to my community. And I feel that this is an area where I have some professional expertise and I can contribute to to the broader community. Um, Coming at at it from that perspective, I would not describe myself as a one-issue candidate. Um, Rather, I I think that I want to learn, I want to understand the issues and make the best decisions possible on behalf of the residents and you, the residents. And I would say that looking at it from that perspective, considering the fact that I was born and raised in the Midwest, I will come at all of these decisions with a little bit of Midwest perspective, which I believe is common sense and practicality. Um, With my experience, I will naturally be comfortable diving into the financial issues, such as the budget and so forth. Um, I think that the, the whole budgetary process is very important. It's very important how and where we spend our taxpayer dollars. And I would just say that from a philosophy, my approach will be to, in all of those important decisions, ask myself the question, would I spend the money if it were solely my own money? Namely, try to have a bit of responsibility and fiduciary responsibility in how we're spending our money. Um, A few comments uh, on some of the issues, which we will... Am I red? Okay. Okay, a few comments on some of the issues I'm sure we'll get questions on. Uh, Undoubtedly, one of the major issues that'll come up is workforce housing um i think that mountain village has done a lot of good work in workforce housing Um, i would be in favor of moving forward with the phase four of of the next uh, vca and so forth but i would like to understand better the dynamics of the workforce housing in mountain village because i think we want to make be sure we match the needs of the residents and and people who actually want to live in mountain village and enjoy our lifestyle uh, as with, the, with what we're building and how we're providing for that. Um, I would say that on the issue of you know, commercial development and so forth, I probably, subject to learning more facts, I, I probably fall in the category of prudent growth. Um, I think we, we want growth. I think we wanna to continue to expand and, uh, our neighborhood and our community and what's available to our residents, but I don't wanna lose the character that we have of Mountain Village. Uh, okay, thank you. But we'll
0: touch on some of those things that you mentioned. So,
4: we'll be back. Heather, it's up to you. Hi, I'm Heather Knox. Um, I am a 26 year local to the region. I moved here in 1995. I stumbled across Telluride because um, I was going from Santa Fe to Cresta Butte, and it was back when we had paper maps, and I thought Red Mountain Pass was the fastest way to get there. And um, I dropped into URA and just thought it was the most beautiful place I had ever seen. I wanted to move to a ski area. And so I ended up in Telluride and luckily found a place to rent in Fairway Four. And back then, Fairway Four and Big Billy's and what was then Telluride Apartments were the only housing in the Meadows. Uh, Lived down in the Meadows, until um, 1998 when I then bought land and moved down Valley um, to build a off the grid home. Um, But I then, after that, I moved back to Mountain Village in Parker Ridge in 2015. And I've been really happy with living in Mountain Village. It's a safe community. I have two daughters, they're 15 and 17. Um, It's great very um, pleasant neighborhood, safe parks, easy access to hiking, skiing, biking, all the things I really like. Um, I want to serve to help Mountain Village go forward with the initiatives. I was given a lot of opportunities for Mountain Village. From Mountain Village, I worked for the town. It was actually uh, Mountain Village Metro District and Mountain Village Metro Services when I started um and i worked for 11 years i um started with the conference i started actually as what they called a flower girl i took care of the flowers um on the plazas and then um when the gondola opened it got busier and um i watched that progress from 1996 once it opened and um get a lot busier. And then the conference center was being built and I got hired from with the conference center. Um, I then worked up through Mountain Village, um, became the director of the conference center, director of economic development. And um, I've managed budgets. I have a staff perspective that I think would be helpful for town council and um, just overall budgeting of concepts <laughs> of, budgets for the town. I wanna serve because I've been given a lot of opportunities here and um, really like Mountain Village. I am so pleased to be living here and have access to all the great environment that we have. I think it's really important that we continue um, to serve our environment and move forward with protecting it. Heather, that
0: is your time. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Jack, we'll move to you.
5: Thank you, Um, Harvey will bring his admirable Midwestern roots to uh, council. Since I was born and raised in the South Bronx, I will not do that. Uh, I've served on council for the last four years. And the reason that I'd like to continue is I, the current council has done a really good job, especially with the COVID. And uh, one of the things that, has come out during that whole process is that this town is very fortunate to have the employees and the staff that it has the people who worked so hard when we had to cut back on raises and those types of things for the first half of the year we eventually got everybody recovered but uh, it was it didn't didn't stop them from doing everything that they could do and work their tails off so we we owe a debt of gratitude to them While this council has done an awful lot of good things, there's a lot of things that, many things that are left to be done that are really important and some of them very expensive. It's the venture court, excuse me, the village court apartments is clearly one of the issues. Uh, We are in the process of, we've decided that we're not going to sell it. It, It's prudent to look at all of the options. we looked at all of the options we've we got new management in there and that's made a real difference for the residents. And, um, but we're going to, we're right now in the process of looking at our, how do we change the bond, and uh, the bond issue that we have and how do we, and how do we get construction loans and stuff like that? So it's going to take probably next several months anyway, uh, to, come to grips with how we're gonna go forward with that expansion, but everybody agrees that it's the number one thing that's needed, that's big. But we also have the wastewater treatment plant that we co-own with Telluride, and that's going to be a very expensive upgrade and expansion for that. We have the, um, all of the uh, issues related to the gondola will be coming up in 2027, and we have planning that we have to do for that because it's going to require a significant amount of capital and it's going to require the cooperation of all the parties that benefit from it and uh, right now Mountain Village is the owner and pays for that entity uh, with help from the the, uh, owners' association and also uh, Telski we have the we have to finish the Fiber, 1G fiber to the home and businesses that we have started will be finished this fall. We have to, we have substantially upgraded our cybersecurity, but we need to up, that's something that needs to be visited all the time because you cannot spend enough on cybersecurity, um, but you can't spend everything on it either.
0: Jack, that is your time. I Thank know you. it goes by so fast. I apologize, but not really. Justin, it's your up.
6: Uh, my name is Dustin Clements. Um, I've lived in the town for the last, in the region for the last 16 years. Town of Mountain Village for 11 currently. It's been five years this time. Um, it's a place that I've grown to love and would like to continue to be here for a long time. Um, part of the reason I chose to ran uh, was just to mostly try to give back and get a little more involvement for myself in the shaping of our town for the next few years to come. Um, I think that Mountain Village as a whole right now has been definitely moving on the right track past town council. I think has done a lot of good things Um, got through our pandemic situation. I think swimmingly Uh, really helped all the businesses stay alive. Um, And I think, you know, obviously biggest issue is going to be affordable housing. Um, I am not a property owner and I am a service industry worker. Uh, so I want to represent that voice in our community um, because as we grow forward, we're gonna need to represent all interests from the working class, people who don't own property, who are keeping all the businesses afloat. Mm-hmm. We need to have uh, continued interest with uh, the ski area and the And I think all those three entities really need to work together. We're kind of in a unique situation in that. Mountain Village for that. Um, and yeah, it's short, sweet for me. <laughs> I love it.
0: Amazing. Patrick, we'll go to you.
7: Good evening, everybody. And thanks to Coto. Thanks, Julia, for putting it on. Thanks for everybody for coming out. I appreciate it. My name is Patrick Barry. I've been on town council for the last four years, uh, and I've lived in Mountain Village for six years. And then the region for 20 years, I've been in Rico and tell you right kind of that typical story you hear. I moved here, the background in finance, I moved here from Denver um, to work at a hedge fund and, and I couldn't get away. I'm addicted to mountains. I love it. I love the lifestyle and I, I love Mountain Village. It's been an honor to serve. Uh, I would say I approach this with a little bit of sentimentality and the fact that it's been a tough... It was kind of a tough term. I'm not going to lie. It's like, wow, pandemics, we have to deal with this kind of stuff. It's like war is a potential. So, you know, I really appreciate everybody who put their hat in the ring. It's not easy work. So I just want to acknowledge that I appreciate people getting into the ring and participating in the process. So for me, as I said, it was kind of a difficult decision. Why am I running again? a i feel like i just now figured out what i'm doing maybe or at least in the last two years i kind of have a better sense of how the system operates and maybe how to be a little bit more efficient but um i think we've got some really crucial things that are ahead of us and while i was celebrating you know yeah we're kind of through the pandemic we're not really there's so many hangovers that are still existing and there are big challenges ahead and it's all compounding into one right now and When we get to, for me, when I was running, one of the major things I wanted to get the comp plan revision process underway because that's gonna help define who we want to be because ultimately growth is gonna be a question that we have to answer as a community. What do we wanna be? How big do we wanna be? How do we manage that in a way that optimizes brand for business and quality of life for residents? Everything falls up to that, wastewater treatment, gondola, So and all the other major expenses that we're dealing with. And so I I feel like this process, which the County is going through right now, Telluride's about to go through, we're going through, we have to continue to work together, but also understand that we're unique communities that maybe are at different points on our growth curve. And perhaps we have more room for growth than Telluride sees. Uh, Maybe Telluride sees things differently, and the county has its own perspective. So, for me, I feel like this count plan revision and understanding who and where we're going as a community is really going to be a vital thing that we work through. And I'd be honored to be, to continue to be a part of it. 15
0: seconds to spare. Thanks. Not quite as short and sweet. <laughs> All right. So the next questions we'll be using this guy. So you should be able to see how much time you have left. Classic traffic signal format. We don't have them in San Miguel County, but I assume you know how they work. Um, many of you have probably already have already touched on this, but I'm curious what you see as the three most important issues facing Mountain Village that you would like to discuss or tackle if you were elected to town council. And Douglas, we're gonna start with you. Oh,
2: on the spot. Well, you know, I'll start with housing. Um, uh, Second is um, transportation. The gondola is coming up in the financing. The current financing arrangement is coming up in uh, 2027. Um, As such, this current council should be the ones to address that problem. Um, I have experience uh, civically in the Seattle area and the development of their regional transit authority and the light rail plan. This was during my time at the University of Washington. Um, I wrote a letter to um, one of the broadcast TV stations suggesting a light rail route connecting um, downtown Seattle to the University of Washington as an economic development measure. Um, And that was uh, broadcast by the station and I followed up with it over the course of six or seven years, going to a lot of the organizing meetings and seeing it finally getting passed with a revision in the city of Bellevue, if you're familiar with the area, a place where I'd worked. Um, uh, uh, It was a deal to delay some of the development there, but it got some federal highway funding for the city of Bellevue and that that balance worked very well. Third priority would be um, public public lands and access to those public lands. Thank you.
0: Nice, done. I think,
3: oh
2: no, you have more time. Oh, good enough.
0: Still getting this whole whole thing figured out. But Harvey, we're gonna go to you next.
3: Okay. Um, see, only three. Um, well, I, I think you know as always the the uh, workforce housing is is an issue because I think it it's multi multifaceted. it touches all of the other things that we do whether it be the commercial viability in the core and so forth um, and um, the only spin I would put on that is I think we need more units but I also want to investigate and understand more what type of units should we really have should they be more family oriented or less and so forth and I, I think I need to learn more about that but I think we want to tailor where we spend the money on that issue and then I, I think maybe the next two, three, four, five, six issues are all about what Jack was referring to, which is, it seems like we have a lot of big projects coming forward, which will require capital investments and so forth. And so I think maybe you can lump it all into that and understand how we can be most effective and how we can work through those, uh, those capital investments we need. Um, as a casual observer, I was I was noticing that, you know, we have two, primarily two revenue streams on our budget the property taxes and the uh, sales taxes from, from the from the retail and, and, and housing. And I would like to understand and think about more how we can balance or what, how we can fashion our budget to acknowledge we have those two streams. And the, the, the point I'm making is that one stream is rather predictable, the, the real estate tax, the, the sales tax is less predictable. It's more variable ups and downs with the economy and so forth. And I would like to understand how we can somehow marry our budget to, to match up with those different revenue streams. I think.
0: Amazing.
3: I don't think it's working, actually.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to switch to my phone, everybody. <laughs> and you'll hear a ding when <clears throat> you'll hear. It's a fun one that iPhones have. You will hear that when your time is up. Yes? Love it. OK. I didn't hear anything. I will turn a louder and tell you to be quiet. (laughs) What is your day? All right, (laughs) we're gonna go to you next.
4: Okay, um, as everyone, I think, agrees, uh, affordable housing, workforce housing is a um, key priority. Um, I would say my second priority that I see for the town is um, environmental stewardship. And I would say the third, just as something that's coming to fruition fairly quickly is going to be figuring out the gondola funding. Um, So for the affordable housing and workforce housing, um, we really need to work on keeping our locals local to Mountain Village, um, because our locals fill uh, positions that are necessary for ourselves and our visitors to, get coffee at 6 a.m. and stay late and enjoy dinner and have a drink after towards the end of the night. Um, Our locals also fill coats on the fire department and respond to EMS calls at three in the morning. Um, The locals spend money at our businesses during slow times. And um, they also just have to be, we have to have locals in order to staff Um, and the workforce is growing um from within um, i have two daughters and they both have jobs within mountain village and so when i moved to mountain village i didn't even think about that but it's great to have families be able to live here so their children can as they grow up have positions here and um, move into work basically workforce um, and then for the environment, I think it's really important because we have we're surrounded by public lands, and um, we need to make sure we have proper fire mitigation. Uh, wildland fires are an issue that we need to be addressing. Um,
0: oh, okay, I'm sorry if you can't hear this very well. I will wave. Um, thank you for that, Jack. It is your turn. I'm going to have you pull your mic a little bit closer to yourself. Easy. I will do that go for
5: it the uh, everybody will agree that VCA housing is probably the number one large issue that we face right now there are other th- ways to attack it besides just building the 42 units which of course we have to do um, the town uh, council has approved a new department of housing and uh, we're hiring a housing community housing director that person will be looking at things beyond VCA uh, and grants to help support, you know, our type of uh, uh, growth, and uh, we have also uh, changes to the zoning regulations that make it easier for people to have duplexes and ADUs and those types of things, to and to encourage them to provide those for workforce housing. Um, we're also providing money for people who will either buy a home and with a deed restriction, up to $200,000 we're providing, and uh, or someone with an existing home, they can also take advantage of the program. Those are things that are complementary to just building the 42 units. Uh, And we continue to have, I think we'll make a lot of progress with a new housing director and a new department. Uh, The second is, is the issue Patrick raised about the comp plan. It's just critical that we get that right, because that will be the vision and that will be the guidance for the development and growth of the community. The third item is to uh, complete our cyber infrastructure and security issues. Uh, They're critical to us. Uh, We would be devastated if we get taken down with a ransomware attack.
0: Amazing. Dustin, go. All right,
6: go. Uh, I guess to start, I'm gonna leave affordable housing to the end, but to uh, start, I think uh, keeping uh, the economic vitality that we have developed in the core going. Uh, when I first moved to town, it was very quiet most of the year. Um, now it is rather vibrant all the time. And that brings a lot of guests, which brings a lot of sales tax revenue, um, which is something that we can use to help get some of these other projects off the ground. Um, get a little more money towards affordable housing, or, you know, we are going to have to find a way to fund the gondola. Um, so transportation is another thing. Um, working with the gondola and TMVA, they give us a little bit of funding for that. And so it's, yeah, it's coming up soon. It's been on the, been on the table for a while. And yeah, this would be the time to figure out that financing. Um, and then as well as working with SMART um, to continue regional transportation, um, opening up regional transportation does help us maybe have some more options for workforce housing. Um, we already have some workforce housing development going on with the Village Court. Um, and I also think working with Telsky, um being a big uh, workforce in the community, I think we need to work with them to uh, figure out the problem as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Patrick, it's
7: your turn. I'm gonna regurgitate some of my opening statement. I think uh, the comp plan for me is top because as I mentioned, I feel like that is gonna be that trickle down guidance that helps inform decisions that are made at wastewater treatment, gondola. Affordable housing is more complicated because there's certainly a crucial need for it right now. So, but that comp plan does potentially impact what we decide on that and affordable housing can constrain what we can actually achieve from a growth perspective, if that's something we desire as a community. Um, That conversation that's gonna happen, you look at the statistics on the comp plan right now, it seems like it's about 50-50 divided between those who favor more development and those who favor a more reserved, quieter life. I think it's gonna be crucial to have a civil conversation and, and, and guide discourse as a council to have a, a real open, honest conversation and, and help hopefully help guide some compromise because there's undoubtedly gonna be some need for it. Uh, affordable housing, wow, it's we needed it yesterday. Um, as Jack mentioned, I won't get into all regurgitating all the programs that we've invested in, but I, I hope to see those get off the ground and make an mm-hmm. impact because, Coming out of COVID, there's a massive labor crunch. Blame it on unemployment benefits. Blame it on stagnant wages for years. I don't know what you necessarily blame it on, but there is a labor shortage in Telluride and affordable housing shortage in Telluride. Are the two connected? I would think yes, in many ways. It's difficult to see people not be able to make a life here in the long term. And that's where we are as a community and that that just is a major problem that needs to be solved. Um, my third one is I'm, I'm probably a little out there on this one, but uh, forest health is a real concern for me. We are surrounded by a lot of dead trees. There's huge fire risk. And we've talked about it. We've hired an ar- arborist um, this last year to hopefully help with that. but we have got to do more as a community and get with the Forest Service and the ski area to help thin out some of these dead trees, because that's just a real threat that I see that's out there that is very difficult to
5: manage.
0: That is your time. I'm gonna do, the alarm's gonna go off and I'm gonna do a little wake, okay? So, vaguely keep an eye on me. You don't need to most of the time, but at the end. If you feel like you're talking long, look to me. And that you are final to go on this question.
1: Okay. Um three things, four things. I mean, they're all interconnected. That's the problem and how do you rank them? But I think I'm going to concentrate on affordable housing for the workforce because I think everything hinges on that kind of, you know, put a qualifier on that at the end. If we don't figure out how to solve that, we will not have employees. Businesses will be able to maintain their employees. If we don't have employees, the businesses will fold. If the businesses fold, the whole community goes down the drain. So it all all hooks together. If we can't come up with a a plan for something short-term as well as long-term, I think the qualities that bring people here in the first place will be gone. The beautiful mountain scenery, the, the real town ambience, and the diversity of this community. Um, I think those are are something that would be more than a shame to see go. Um, And there's not a quick, simple fix. It's too complicated. Like Patrick said, um, if it was simple, we wouldn't have the problem because we would have fixed it by now. Um, And I also want to tag on something that Patrick mentioned and I would call this the overarching objective. What do we want Mountain Village to be? And until we can come to a consensus on what we want this town to be, it's kind of hard to make a plan as to what do you do next and how do you figure out housing and how do you figure out growth? Um, I think it's unlikely we're gonna find a solution that's gonna make everybody happy. I can be pretty sure that we're gonna make everybody unhappy on some aspect of it, but that's compromise. And we were looking for the good of the whole community. Everybody's got different needs and wants, but that's how you work together to to solve a problem. I think throwing all ideas on the table, examining everything, even the thing that looks, air quotes for the radio, um, ridiculous. Sometimes there's a nugget of truth in those things and they come from the most unlikely places. So part of, I think of our, our town council obligation is to get out there and listen to people get them talking tell us what there's it's important to them what do they what are their ideas so am i done
0: you are done okay all right <laughs> um, all right so next question y'all all touched on it it's housing we obviously know this is a big discussion across the region not just in mountain village so first question of a two-parter. First, have you ever lived in affordable housing yourself? If the answer is yes, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges or opportunities when it comes to affordable or workforce housing? If not, how do you hear from and speak to the needs of those folks who are living in affordable housing?
4: And- Can I ask a quick question? Mm -hmm. Um, Does affordable housing also constitute deed restricted housing?
0: I would say yes. Okay.
3: And Harvey, we're going to start with you. And when you say affordable housing, do you mean in this community or or just in the world in general? I'll
0: let you decide that one for yourself.
3: Okay. All right. So on the first part, I have not lived in affordable or workforce housing uh, since I was a kid. So that was a long time ago Um, and trying to decipher the second part of that question. I think if you're if the question is trying to ask, well, how can I relate if I'm not currently or not living in affordable housing? um, I think the answer is you have to listen well. Um, uh, You have to speak with a lot of people, get all the points of view and understand and try to figure out the multifaceted aspect of the of the issue. so all I can say is, is that uh, I would uh, endeavor to learn as much and listen as much as possible.
4: And then we're gonna to go to you next. Okay. Um, as mentioned, when I moved here in 1995, I rented a fairway four unit. And um, so I have the perspective of being a renter. And um, basically during that time, it was, just to be able to live here and work. Um, And so I feel like having that younger perspective um, is helpful because there's a lot of people that need rentals, not necessarily, they're not in a position to own. So having enough rental um, units for people um, that aren't necessarily committed to putting down roots here, but want to be here, wanna work um, is very important. Additionally, um, having an opportunity for people to purchase um, deed restricted housing. I now um, in 2015 was able to buy a Parker Ridge unit and that's also deed restricted. Um, So I have uh, that as my neighborhood, it's surrounded by deed restricted housing. So I feel like I have a good handle on um, that um, concept that people, ideas that people share. Um, And as terms of dealing with the um, housing shortage, I would say I really have been impressed with the Mountain Village's approach to the new new YES program, um, the Your Equity Support program, and um, the um, hiring of a new housing director. And um, I really would, enjoy being on council so I could help shape that program. So it would be successful. Is that, I thought I heard that. Okay. Um, okay. So, so I could help that program be as successful as possible. And I think we have to always work with our key players, our key partners, um, Ski Company, Town of Mountain Village, uh, Mountain Village Metro, I was about to say Mountain Village, um, TMBOA, <laughs> Going to call them so, their old name. Um, and we have to come to consensus on how do we
5: solve this. All
0: right. Jack, it's you.
5: No, uh, we didn't have anything called affordable housing when I was growing up, just had apartment buildings. And when uh, we had a very inexpensive apartment with my two sisters and I in one bedroom, my parents in another, uh, it was uh, affordable because it was very inexpensive. Uh, how, how do you relate? It's easy. All I do is think back to that time. And as Harvey said, listen, I mean, uh, I mean, I truly care about the people that are in our affordable housing units. Uh, A lot of them are very struggling. And we at council did a few things to really help them with the monthly rent issues. uh, And that was done, uh, everybody on the council was for that. We had no difficulty at all. And part of it was, as Ari said, listening to what the issues were, making sure we reached out to the people who were having difficulty, had a process for for having them confidentially communicate the issues that they had, and for us to provide a way to defer their rent, you know, whatever, whatever was necessary to take care of. Nobody was disadvantaged. It also allowed us to provide you know, free internet for the kids so that they could go to school remotely, those kinds of things. All of those things were done by a very caring council. And I think, you know, if if uh, everybody had the, had their heart in the right place.
0: Thank you. Seth, so, your turn.
6: so I have lived in uh restricted housing currently for the last five years. Um, before that, I lived in VCA for uh, another five years. Um, so most of my time in Tyreette has been in some sort of affordable housing situation, which has been a key for me being able to afford to live in this region. Um, it's, it, you know, it's a difficult issue. There's a lot of faucets to it. You know, one is space, um, two is the expensive building. A lot of our sites around here are marshland, or steep hills, you know, just building costs alone get really expensive. Um, And the other thing I think we need to look at is just different types of affordable housing. I think there's a need for, you know, something like Big Billy style for our transient workforce, who's only gonna be here for maybe a season or two years or something, not really looking to hold down roots, but wanting something easy and cheap. Um, And then, you know, with say VCA, where we do have income restrictions, great, you know, and then as well as having deed restrictions where, you just, you need to be an employee here or rent it out to an employee. I think all of those components are equally important. Um, and I think the program that you guys have just passed is a very nice uh, step in that direction. You know, it's for someone like myself that could make a condo affordable and within reach. So thank you guys for that, uh, yeah, that's gotcha um yes as to the answer
7: on the deed restricted question i actually currently live in deed restricted property i live in fairway four and then i lived in rico for 10 years which is not deed restricted but that was affordable housing when i lived there and it's i wouldn't i don't know if it qualifies so much anymore you know good for rico love to see that but it's also an interesting byproduct but um as far as affordable housing is concerned it is it's a complicated mix you know you've got to have that proper strata between your transient worker somebody who is doing transition work into management trying to secure that long term and then there's that single family or you know multi-unit family housing that you're constantly having to work through that mix and you have to do it with the county you have to do it with the town of telluride and you have to manage it up here and that's a complicated thing you've constantly got to be refreshing your data on that i'm a data geek so data is where you need to live on that um but you also have to be empathetic and you also have to be fiscally conservative I, i'm i'm very fiscally conservative i feel like i i mean i like to think that you guys can tell me otherwise uh, but in the seat in the last four years i you know i try and be fiscally conservative we had some tough conversations about bca we looked at selling it that was difficult for the people that live in vca it's important to make those decisions when they're applicable and have that tough conversation because that frees up funds for potentially more affordable housing so i didn't take the conversation lightly because for the people that live there that kind of you know uncertainty is really difficult to live with and and i own that but at the same time freeing up those funds we're going to have to free up funds to build more affordable housing. It's going to be a crucial crucial piece to the problem.
0: Amazing. Okay.
1: So your two part question, the first one was have I ever lived in affordable housing? Correct. Um, no, but I grew up in inner city Detroit. So I think that you could call that similar. <laughs> um, and second question was how do I understand somebody that does? And I think the answer to that is, um, listen, listen to them, have a conversation with them, set aside judgment when you're in that conversation and acknowledge that you're not them. And there's no way you're gonna know exactly what they're going through. There's no Spock mind meld out there. You're gonna have to listen and draw them out and care. I think that's, that's the thing. Um, my least favorite phrase in the world is I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't, <laughs> nobody does ever. So be open, listen Listen to them, put their ideas, their concerns in your hopper and do the best that you can to care and help.
0: Thank you. Douglas, your turn.
2: Uh, As I mentioned previously, I currently live in in Village Court Apartments. Um, I think Mountain Village should be very proud of that project, it is quality housing. Um, And besides just being affordable um, quality housing, it's also mixed um, racially and it all works. Uh, You know, there's maybe a little bit of a stigma in the region here of living in Mountain Village as opposed to in Telluride, but it's really the better choice. And, you know, it's uh, I'm finishing my seventh year here and, uh, you know, I'm very happy to have lived here. Um, The uh, very lucky to have lived here. Um, the um, uh, I've lived in affordable housing for most of my life uh, in Seattle. My um, my first five and my last five years on different sides of the Black Central area, uh, home of uh, Quincy Jones, um, uh, birthplace of Quincy Jones, um, and uh, oh, my mind's blanking on the guitarist. Um, hopefully, it'll come to me here. Uh, started off on one side, uh, managing a 22-unit apartment building with uh, 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 studio units at $175, Um, definitely very affordable. Um, If you recall the Cameron Crowe grunge movie from the early 90s with uh, Matt Dillon and Bridget Fonda, it was very much um, that type of building. Uh, And some of the same... uh, Issues as well. I finished off um, in the Madrona neighborhood, uh, which was the transition between the Lake Washington, the very expensive Lake Washington uh, houses, and the, again the Black Central area. Great transition. <coughs> and I served as the um, secretary of the uh, community council there for three years. Um, And then prior to moving to um, Colorado, uh, after a house foreclosure, I was in the working-class city of Tacoma, the gritty city of Tacoma.
0: That is your time. Perfect. Many local businesses in the region are struggling with staffing um, this summer in general. And some of those businesses have pointed to housing as a major barrier for keeping their employees. Do you, another two part question. Do you believe there is a tipping point where the region cannot stay economically or culturally viable because we don't have the housing we need? And what are out of the box ideas that y'all have for keeping the region from getting to that tipping point? Heather, we're gonna start with you. Oh good, I get to
4: be first. Um, I do believe there can be a tipping point and We've seen it in some of the other communities around us. I know you just is having a real struggle with finding help and they're having to have their restaurants closing early um, or not open on certain days. And I would hate to have that be an issue in mountain village because we have so many visitors. We wanna be able to provide the services and um, be able to give them the experience of fine dining, eating in our restaurants. Um, So housing is critical. And I would say some ideas related to um, the workforce, Um, some out of the box ideas, maybe this is kind of crazy, but just seeing my daughters working, I would say go and try to reach out to the high school students. Um, set up a little job fair and um, have them talk about, have Mountain Village talk about different positions so students can understand. I know that there's certain requirements that students have to be 18 over um, for serving, but there's a lot of positions that they can be younger. Um, 15, I know Zoe worked for the golf course starting when she was 15. And then she did that for two summers and now works at Tomboy Tavern as a hostess. She's done that for two years. um, And my other daughter is working as a hostess. So I think just trying to reach out to different age groups and different populations in order to try to solve our employment issues that are coming to fruition because of the housing crisis.
0: Thank you, Jack.
5: Do I believe there could be a tipping point? Absolutely. Uh, What we're doing about it, there are no magic wands that we can wave and all of a sudden there's 50 more units available. But what we are doing on council is we've created a new department of housing, community housing, and we're hiring a director whose job is to expand our community housing inventory and Yes, we're going ahead with the VCA development and that will will happen, but we're also then, as I said before, we're changing the zoning regulations. We're encouraging uh, equity participations uh, for people who are willing to either buy a deed restricted place uh, uh, or to, uh, uh, if they have an existing facility, make it a deed restricted place. So those are the things that I think we continue to do. We look at, are there other areas that we can develop for smaller, uh, maybe eight unit place, those kinds of things, those examinations, those discussions, those inquiries are going on, but there are limits to how much money we have and how much we could borrow. So I think the the, the council is addressing it with the, uh creation of the housing department with a full-time director whose job is to expand the, the inventory available for affordable housing, community housing.
0: Thank
6: you. Um I do think there's a tipping point and I think it's probably closer than any of us really would like to admit. Um, so far this summer, I know of at least five restaurants that will not be opening seven days a week as well as reducing hours because they just don't have the employees um and that's you know amenities that being a world-class ski area we need to keep going to attract our guests um so i think we're going to see i think it's going to come to a head this summer and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens um a lot of that yeah does have to do with employee housing um and i think you know other things that we can work on is continuing our growth with our regional transportation um part of that though i believe you know our surrounding communities of matras and cortez where we have had a lot of commuters in the past are in the same boat so to speak um, and so they're raising wages as well and people aren't willing to come up as much as they used to for you know what used to be lucrative it's now maybe only a couple dollars an hour um, so possibly uh, more regional transport can help um, but it's also gonna be something that the market is gonna to have to fix itself.
7: Thank you, Patrick. Um, absolutely. I, from an economic standpoint, if demand outstrips supply, you're automatically gonna see prices rising. That is exactly what we are seeing right now. And it's an artificial cap on growth, or maybe it's not an artificial cap, but it's certainly a cap on growth. And it's it's we're hitting it right now. As Dustin just mentioned, there's restaurants that are five days a week that would have been seven days a week because they can't staff them. So we are seeing that at this point, the other piece that's out there is inflation. Um, Lumber's gone to three, four times what it has been. So that's going to delay inventory coming online and that's going to exasperate the problem. So what you're going to see is higher prices. So you're going to see higher prices here and that's going to control demand to some degree. But how does inflation play into that? I, that's a real concern for me. I don't, You know, Janet Yellen thinks that she can control it, but, you know, that kind of policy tends to be like a hand grenade rather than a than a sniper rifle. So I think those concerns are baked into our future for affordable housing, because it's going to be prices, real wages will have to go up to some degree, but I I don't know how we manage that right now. That's something that I look forward to. Jack mentioned a lot of programs that we've implemented. I don't know if those are necessarily out of the box, but I feel like they are going to be effective measures towards getting more inventory on, we need anything and everything right now. So, being open-minded, finding land, perhaps outside of Mountain Village, is going to be something that we continue to pursue. Pete dupre who's on council, has brought up, you know, Ilium. I brought up Ilium. Maybe that's a target. Some of the surrounding areas, San Bernardo. We're going to have to continue to explore those and be creative in the type of housing that we provide.
0: Thank you. That's your turn. A question for
1: you when you say out of the box you mean a ready-made solution or thinking outside the box
0: i'm going to let you interpret that question (laughs) okay
1: okay well then i'm going to go with thinking outside the box (laughs) um are we at a tipping point i would say that indications are yes i would say do i have enough data to make that conclusion no and with my background as a statistician i have to have more data (laughs) but i think we're close Um, what can we do expand housing how how where do we find the land for the housing how do we improve the transportation to bring them in the rising wages they're not going to rise them fast enough in order to do this Um, wild ideas can we put a tax on houses that sit vacant for most of the year Uh, do we limit new construction do we put a limit on short-term rentals Um, what infrastructure is needed in place to support whatever plan we need to do And how does this plan affect the environment? I know those are like, you know, just pulled the pin on the grenade and threw it in the room. I'm not saying I agree with any of them, and I know that they all have pros and cons with them, but they're all worth considering. Um, The immediate shortage of staffing is a wild idea sitting here as a retired person. There's a lot of retired people in this area. Would they be willing to step up and help out the businesses short term i would and a lot of the retired people here wouldn't need to be paid so we could help the businesses that way too so that's my out of the box ideas.
2: thank you God bless. we're at that point right now you know who knows what's going to happen the entire economy could collapse um, you know, I think uh, Patrick's um, you know, economic analysis is spot on. He's certainly more current on uh, those conversations and that data than I am. Um, the uh, we do need to go out of the box. Uh, part of that solution, I think, is considering a down valley sewage plant. Um, that would actually free up more space at that society turn parcel, and it might be cheaper to build something with the capacity that we need to grow uh, somewhere down valley. Um, San Bernardo, I believe the county is starting to um, uh, prioritize that right now. Um, I attended uh, yesterday's Smearha meeting, uh, the San Miguel Regional Housing Authority meeting, and uh, uh, county manager Mike bought that, brought that up. Uh, the town of Telluride has partnered with the county on the Sunnyside parcel, and that San Bernardo parcel just due to its location might be very appropriate for Mountain Village to partner on. Um, going to that tipping point, I think uh, going a little bit off topic here, um, we no longer have the COVID protections against eviction here in Mountain Village that we had. And there are people in Village Court who are facing that right now.
0: Thank you. Harvey
3: Okay. Uh, one of the good things about going last on such a difficult question is I can pretty much agree with, agree with a lot of the points that have been made without having to restate them. Um, anecdotally, I'm, it is my understanding that we are at or near a tipping point. Um, I think it's interesting to think about why that is. Um, perhaps uh, units have come offline this year. Uh, maybe that's part of the issue. Um, or, or maybe there's just more jobs. Um, I would be interested in understanding better where that gap is to more directly uh, address where we should focus our efforts. Um, but I agree with the comments that say, you know, this is a reinforcing cycle in the sense that um, if if we don't have employees, then we don't have businesses, and then we don't have visitors, and then we have fewer employees, and then we have fewer visitors, and uh, so we need to we need to reinforce that that uh, that cycle. And make sure that we have enough staff to to run the businesses in town
0: thank you all right mountain village is made up of both second homeowners and folks who are living here year round those people are often coming from diverse economic backgrounds thinking economically how do you balance the needs of all of those folks to make sure that mountain village is working for everyone who lives here Part two, if there's an instance where those wants and needs are conflicting, do you think there is a group or demographic of people in the community who you should be putting more weight on their wants and needs? Jack, we're gonna start with
5: you. Oh, I'm so grateful for this. You're
4: welcome. (laughs) Uh, uh,
5: I think the second homeowners are a real benefit to our community. They pay the real estate taxes, they pay for the water, they don't go to the school, they don't stress the police department. It's, there is a real benefit to the second homeowners economically for this town. Uh, If all of the second homeowners had kids going to the school, if they were all watering their lawns all the time, if they were doing, Demands for our, our various uh, services, it would be it would be very difficult to run run the town. So I, I view the second homeowners as a benefit uh, because they don't stress our 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 uh, the things that we provide, but they do provide a substantial amount of income. So I I don't see a conflict. I don't see them coming in conflict with our full term res- full time residents. Just doesn't occur to me. I don't I don't I don't personally see it happening
6: and I can't envision it happening. Thank you. I think second homeowners are instrumental in how our town runs our revenue sources. um, Just the feel of our community in general. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with many, many second homeowners as a chef over the years, and I haven't met a single one who doesn't feel a part of this community and understands most of the issues that we have and backs a lot of it. Um, and so I also don't really feel, you know, conflicts between two, two groups. I think everybody's uh, interests need to be taken into account. homeowners um, are obviously gonna have uh, other interests than uh, the workers, um, but I don't see any reason why two groups can't work together, and, you know, continue to make this community great.
0: Thank
6: you. Patrick. Is one group more important than the
7: other? Absolutely not. They're different, right? And I, we have to appreciate the qualities that both, if you want to go to that kind of split qualification or, or compartmentalization, um, but each brings its own unique benefits and culture. and. You also have to respect the needs of those communities. I think they're very different, right? A second or third homeowner is using this as an escape from perhaps some tough daily life. They see it as a family heirloom. There's so many good things about you know that situation. And I also have to respect property rights. Who I've only been here for 20 years. Who am I to say that somebody has less of a right to be here? There's this thing like you move to I it's like, oh, well, how long have you been here? It's like, well you know, it doesn't matter unless you were born here. And even then that's really only just, you know, a classification. So that whole debate that's been happening since I've moved here about how long have you been here? your second homeowner, your third homeowner, your permanent resident. We have to balance those needs. So no, I, I don't see there being any priority over one group or another, but they certainly have different needs. And I, and I, when I first ran, I respect property rights. I have to respect that you know people can buy here; they're buying at elevated prices, and they should be respected as anyone who, anyone else who's been here for 20 to 30 years. That's that's my position on that subject, and and it's complicated. But we need to get we need to work together. We need to make decisions together, and we need to understand where each each party's coming from. Thank you. For that
0: your turn.
1: um, I'm thinking for the radio people, (laughs) let me think. (laughs) Is one group more important than the other? No, I think that they're all interconnected. It's like removing the liver from the body and laying it on the table. You, you, You can't function as a whole community without the various parts and with all the diversity. I think the question in my mind is, if you have more, Is there some type of moral obligation for you to give more? And that's just the thought, and I don't have an answer. (laughs) That's just what I'm thinking. Um, But no, I think I was a second homeowner before I moved here permanently. And I would not have, I wouldn't have wanted for somebody to say, you can't do that. But I do believe that there are segments of society and i'm not just talking about telluride mountain village i'm talking about everywhere where there is the people who have more and the people who have little somehow we need to balance that that's it's kind of amorphous bring me back again i'll talk again about it
0: <laughs> Thank you. That was-
2: Uh, The Telluride Arts District, uh, Kate Jones came up with a phrase that I liked as part of the COVID debates. Telluride Arts District did the little uh, Murphy shave signs going into the town of Telluride. Um, uh, She used the term part-time locals and I think that's important. Um, uh, We're a community, some people here are are full-time, some people are not. It is crucial that, you know, the folks in non deed restrict housing do respect the needs of the workforce here. And if there's not that respect, then um, that's a problem. Uh, I do think we share some common interests in, uh, in our latter years, um, you know, with my health health issues, I'm definitely looking at that. The uh, the person I mentioned in village court that's currently looking at eviction, I mean, somebody who's retired, there are a few of us. And, uh, uh, you know, I think we maybe need to start thinking about retirement um, for the workforce and... Uh, know for all of the people that live here or those the latter years of retirement and how we do that um i think down valley housing down valley housing would be the the best way to do that Uh, it's a little bit Lower altitude, um, a place we could all can do that. Um, I don't think that in order to meet the needs of the workforce, that we need any additional money from the non deed restricted um, full time and part time homeowners here. That we can do it with the existing budget. There is a lot of money wasted, both in the public sector and in the nonprofit sector, that's solely for political control purposes. And we need to do a lot better job at spending that money appropriately. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Harvey,
2: OK, um, well,
3: as far as part-time, full-time, I've been both. And I can honestly say that I didn't feel different being full-time or part-time. I had the same interest in what I wanted, by why I wanted to be here. It's just a question of being able to spend more time here now that I'm a full-time resident. So I don't see it as a conflict. I don't see it as one group has to be pitted against the other. One's more important, one's less important. I think there's a common sharing of we, we want good quality of life, whether we're here part-time or full-time. We want a vibrant, interesting place to live. We want services. We want health care. We want all of those things, whether you're here two months a year or 12 months a year. So um, you're not going to get me to say one's more important than the other. Thanks.
4: Heather, Um, as I mentioned, I lived in fairway four in 1995 and worked in the mountain village core. And back then the second homeowners and the full-time residents that were living in mountain village and, non deed restricted housing, they were the people that kept the businesses alive. Um, financially, they were spending money up here it was before the gondola was open. And even after the gondola did open in 96, it was a very s- slow process to get more businesses and support the businesses. So those demographics of uh, full-time residents and part-time residents, they are, they are absolutely necessary. Um, We all are in this together and our community values determine our budget. Um, And I think everyone can agree on some basic um, services that we all wanna see clean, clean plazas, clean um, roads when it snows, safe roads, um, parks, things like that. So um, I think the budget, can all come together with all those different interests. Thank you. All right,
0: we are rapidly running out of time as I knew we would, but that's life. So we're gonna do some rapid fire questions. So this is one word only, all right? First one, in one word, what sets you apart from the other folks running for council this year? Dustin, you first.
6: Passion, Patrick. Work hyphen.
4: Um, openness.
6: <laughs> Two words. <laughs>
3: Honesty.
4: Perfect. Uh, trust. Other. Perspective.
0: Jack. Yeah.
3: Enthusiasm.
0: Amazing. Um, yes or no oh. answer. Mountain Village's mayor is selected on a two-year term. If you were elected to town council, would you be interested in serving as mayor, Patrick? No.
4: <laughs>
2: I don't have the energy. Maybe.
4: I'd like to, oh, I can't say yes or no. Okay. Yes, no, maybe. Maybe. maybe.
5: I know the job, no.
6: <laughs>
0: Final quick fire not asking you to pick your favorite, my voice went really high to show. Um, but festivals and events are coming back. What is one that you are especially excited to see come back this summer or year That
1: is Is Original Thinkers a festival? Yeah, that one. That one.
2: <laughs> I'd say Mountain uh, Film, but I'd also give a shout out to the Telluride Science Research Center and their Tuesday Town Talks.
0: All
2: right.
3: All right. cool. So, uh, there's so many. Um, I'll say Film Fest.
4: Sunset Concert Series?
3: Yeah. Jack? Blues and Brews. Dustin? Blues and
6: Brews. Patrick? I'm a ride, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um,
0: in our final, we might go over by hair, hey, Catherine, I apologize. Um, we will have two minutes for closing statements. I'm going to go backwards this time. So Patrick, we're going to start with you and go the other way.
7: You know, I'm going to reiterate some of the things uh, that I said the opening statement i you know i'm just honored to have served i'm honored to have been elected it's been really interesting education for me and uh i'll continue to work hard I promise I'll try not to overextend myself. I feel like that's a fault that I can get into. I've pulled some things back, but I'm gonna dig in as hard as I can. Continue to serve on the gondola committee. I I would be, if I got reelected, I would be honored to continue to do that. Continue to work on technology with Jack and cybersecurity, that's crucial work. And we made good progress. Fiber to the home is something that I'm super proud of. And then I have to give a shout out to staff. I feel like over the last four years, I've been pretty hard on staff, not intentionally in a productive manner. I've built a lot of trust. I feel like with a lot of the staff and that's something that's crucial for managing Ford. So I would look forward to continue to work with staff and council and push a lot of these things that Jack touched on and that we've we've put on the table for the next four years. I'd appreciate the
6: opportunity to continue to work on
0: it. Thank
6: you. Dustin. So as a long-term resident, uh, part of the reason that I decided to run was just as mostly a way to give back and be involved in shaping our community as we move forward. Um, Already through the process of campaigning, I've learned an incredible amount and feel that because of that, I've already become a better citizen. So. So far, I've gotten something out of it. Um, I would love to have the opportunity to uh, serve and you know, represent my class of people. And I think the council currently has been doing a really good job. I'm not trying to disrupt anything that's already going on. Um, I would just like to have voice uh, heard as we continue to build our community. Thank you. Jack. The, it's an
5: interesting job I mean, there's. it's important, there's a lot of work and you don't have to worry about being paid well. Uh, <laughs> the chance to continue, I've been on, fortunately, I've been on the finance committee and technology committee and te- technology. Patrick and I essentially started it. Uh, Pete has been a bulwark on the finance committee. So that's really been a lot of fun working with the two of them, uh, and then with the whole council. Uh, I want to continue. This is my full time home. This is where I'm going to be. And um, we need to get all of the agendas working together with people compromising. And that means the town of Mountain Village, the town of Telluride, the homeless Association, Telski, the county, we all want it to be a better place than it is today. We all want to make our contributions to make tomorrow better than today. And we just need to believe that everybody wants that same thing and get enough dialogue so that we can make the progress that we all want.
0: Thank you.
4: Heather. I would say one thing I feel like I bring is um, consensus building. I feel like I have worked hard to find consensus building Um, in the position I'm on with the Colorado department of health and environment. We review grants and there are 13 committee members and we have to all agree on how to allocate um, approximately $2.5 million um, for two different grant cycles a year and it's interesting meeting different people from all over the state of Colorado and coming together and discussing these grants and their um, priorities for the different communities, and so I think that has really taught me a lot on consensus building. And we need to we need to find it with our region. It's all of our partners, um, ski company, TMBOA, um, Town of Telluride. We have to work together to solve the issues and go forward. And I think we can make. Mountain Village and our region stronger and better
3: going, going
0: ahead. Thank you. Harvey.
3: Okay. Um, so first of all, I won't repeat, but um, I, I wish to be on the council so that I can give back to my community, be a part of the community and uh, help in any way that I can. Um, I think I have good qualifications, good experience um, and can bring a perspective to the, to the council. I think there are many important issues, many have been touched on, many important issues coming up in the next four years. Um, and I would like to uh, be the one who can help by understanding the issues and making good business decisions, good sound judgments on those calls. Um, and in the end, I think, you know, residents, they want a council member that they can trust who's going to make good decisions. And lastly, I want to keep it short so that I'm remembered as the candidate who kept us on time. <laughs>
0: yeah. That was-
2: uh when i came to uh, mountain village august seven years ago um i brought my last load um the scenic route and a filing cabinet and a white water with a whitewater canoe on top of it on top of my little ranger with the solar panels you may have seen it Um, and i decided to come over last dollar pass with that which was not necessarily a good idea although it was memorable um i'm very thankful to be here um was uh, I, i had health issues Um, And, you know, being engaged with the community is the primary thing that I've done. Um, I have been accused of being too negative, but I think I'm constructive and frank. And there are some serious problems that need to be addressed. And I think that Mountain Village and the town of Telluride can do that in a way that is uh, makes a lot of sense for the entire country. Um, And I would be very proud to be a part of that. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Okay, um, something Heather said made me remember a piece of artwork that a Fred gave me with a row of stick figures, half were labeled us and half was labeled them. And the point of it being the stick figures were all the same, meaning there is no us and them, there's only we. And if I am elected to the town council, I'll work the best of my abilities to make a positive contribution by listening to the constituents and then taking their concerns and thoughtfully and fairly representing them um, to the council so that their voice is heard in the community. So for people listening out there, and if you're not listening um, and you have somebody that has something to say, encourage them to speak up. And I want to just close with one thing, it's a poem that I found when I was the chief culture officer and it's kind of stuck with me, it's short, (laughs) okay. Um, It's written by R.D. Lang, who's a psychiatrist. And he writes, the range of what we think and do is limited by what we fail to notice. And because we fail to notice that we fail to notice, there is little we can do to change until we notice how failing to notice shapes our thoughts and deeds. That's it. Mm.
0: Thank you. Wow. Well, that is all the time we have this evening. It went by so very quickly. Um, yeah, you can give applause. I, don't know if that I want to thank all of y'all for being here this evening. Yvette, Douglas, Harvey, Heather, Jack, Dustin, and Patrick. Thank you so much for joining, sharing your thoughts, Um, as to why you are running for town council and why you want to serve the town of Mountain Village. Thank you also to our audience. Thank you for being here and our listeners far and wide. Um, As a reminder, ballots are in the mail now. So if you are voting in Mountain Village, should be getting there pretty soon. You have until Tuesday, June 29th to return them, or you can vote in person here at Mountain Village Town Hall on the 29th. Thank you for being here and have a great rest of your evening.